John, I want to know what the future of sports media is. Sports media 2025, we have the exact right person to tell us. Moffat Nathanson's Michael Nathanson. He's on for the whole pod. Let's get to it. And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And today, John, we're doing something. I love Breaking Bad. And they have a famous episode called The Fly, where they, what they did, I actually didn't really love this episode, even though I love Breaking Bad, best show of all time, uh, where they uh, just had it in a, basically a studio to save money. We're both on vacation this week. So we taped this uh, previously. We're going to have a conversation with Michael Nathanson from Moffitt Nathanson, where we look at the future of sports media, uh, 2025, and a lot of answers here. If you're into sports media and where everything is going, I really, we already taped it, really enjoyed this conversation. All right, Andrew, here's the thing about our big get this week. He knows so much about this business. I mean, I don't think you're going to hear a ton of disagreement today, because when, when you hear me spout off my opinions, they're generally based on what I've learned from Michael Nathanson. Michael, the senior managing director at Moffitt Nathanson, one of the, Michael, do you still call it a boutique? You're, you're pretty big now, right? Yeah, we're owned by a new, by a company we were bought. By the way, the kind words, I am blushing. I don't know if you can tell from my summer's <laughs> hand that I'm blushing, but we're, we were a boutique and now we're acquired by Silicon Valley Bank. So we have ambition to really grow our business be more than a boutique it's nice that you're blushing but john basically has just said that he plagiarizes all your thoughts that's a, <laughs> exactly that's a nice way of saying that i don't have an original thought no no chance anyway michael uh, a quick background you worked at sanford bernstein uh you worked at time warner Cablevision. last week i described you as the most quoted executive on this podcast i believe thank you very much for joining us why don't we get started andrew as we always do with who's up who's down Who's up? Who's down? All right, Michael, you're the guest here. We're going to let you start us off. It's the, the year is 2025. Who's up? Well, that'll be the first year of the new NBA contract that will be signed by Disney, Turner, Apple, Amazon. Who's up is Adam Silver. Your stories in 25 will all be about how great Adam Silver um, was able, how great a job he did getting money out of all the industry players to make the NBA the most valuable league besides the NFL. And it's going to just 25 is the year of the NBA. All right. So we're going to go around the, the horn. I'll go next. I'm going to go Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, LeBron James. And look, I could do that now too. Um, but I just think where you look where power is going in media, it's with these, uh, tr you know, all-time legendary athletes who are building businesses that not only are they on the air, they're producing things, they're owning things. Um, and you just talk about the, as conglomerates, uh, they're all going to have their, sell their t-shirts and clothing uh, that we're seeing with Brady already. Um, and so, you know, I think we will see by 2025, these guys making billion dollar deals to sell their companies. So uh, 2025 is kind of like right now, uh, it's a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, LeBron James. I put you know, Pat McAfee also in that. Maybe Stephen A., Charles Barkley. You'll be a little bit older, but still Barkley in that. The people who are the difference makers, I think it's going to be still very good to be them in 2025. I'm going to do who's up, and I'm going to make it Eric Shanks, 
who's still going to be with Fox Sports. And I'm doing it because he is not jumping in with both feet into the streaming world. So in 2025, streaming is going to be costing these networks still a boatload of money. And Fox isn't, isn't going to be encumbered by that. And people are going to look back at that decision not to, not to launch a streaming service and not to spend all kinds of money on rights and everything associated with it. And they're going to say, Eric Shanks, you made a great decision. All right, so now we got Michael Nathanson here. So I want to I want to break down some of this. Okay, let's just yeah. first go to the NBA. Okay, uh, you mentioned uh, you know the two incumbents in Turner and ESPN, ABC. Keep you know maybe keeping uh, the NBA and then adding either an Apple or Amazon or perhaps both. If that you don't see, do you see? Could you see an NBC, a CBS, Paramount Plus, all those? Do you do you see them? getting in on this or they're happy with the NFL and the money's going to be too great to add the NBA as well. Our feeling is that TNT needs the NBA to maintain their affiliate fee structure. So TNT needs the product. Without it, TNT would be decimated and that would hurt Discovery, Warner versus Discovery. No one else has that business need. It's almost like with ESPN and the NFL, you know, two, two cycles ago, you can't outbid the incumbent when it comes to the NBA in linear. So it goes to the incumbent. But it really is based on the fact that Warner Bros. Discovery is leveraged to cable networks and they're leveraged to sports. And the biggest sports right they have to renew is the NBA on TNT. Well, what I found interesting about your answer, Michael, is that you just casually threw in Apple and Amazon. How, how do you see, based on what we, we know right now, how do you see that? I know they're circling. How do you see them uh, in 2025 with the NBA? Well, John, I'll admit that I don't know much about Apple and Amazon because what they're doing is so below the, the surface, right? It's hard to understand what the benefit of sports is for both Apple and Amazon, right? We don't know. Amazon puts Prime into a bigger, a bigger package. So we don't really have a great look at the P&L of Amazon Prime. But Mike Hopkins, who runs the video came from Fox. You know he he knows about the sports business. I think they see the ability to really you know, disintermediate the bundle by going after sports. So I wish we had the same type of analysis we could produce on Disney and Fox. You know, just looking at an income statement, a cash flow tank. Here's their the return on invested capital they're doing for sports. For Amazon and Apple, it's below the radar. But you would think the real mark they have to make in this business is by going after sports. That they're, you know, you would say at this point, entertainment spending has not really moved the needle for Amazon and Apple. They've really not been able to differentiate their their services. But going after sports and the large checkbook they have, John, will really put them in a different a different place, right? So we don't have much proof or evidence of why, but it just seems logically that's where they have to go to kind of steal some more share from linear linear TV. What always confuses me about this, Michael, and I, one of the reasons why. I'm sort. I'm a skeptic about uh, about them. Is what is the business case? I mean, if I'm a sports league, I would be terrified. I I take all that money going up front, but then if you if you make the bundle less effective, like they're they're not going to be those bidders. And these are for profit companies, Apple and Amazon. Yeah. I have to make money off of this. How can yeah. they do that with with the uh, price that sports rights are right now? Well, firstly, for, on the league side, I would say you you wouldn't give a you would do what the NFL did, give them Thursday night, right? Like Thursday night leaving Fox 
Well, not matters of Fox or the bundle or the league, I don't think. It has to be a tertiary product. But when it comes to Amazon, you know, Amazon's math is, well, if you sell you one more Prime subscription, that's a good thing. We keep you on Prime and raise prices on Prime. Or if we can sell advertising, because what they have, they have perfect information on what John's family bought last week on Amazon, right? And they can then go to the advertising community and say, we've got this first party data. We have prime premium video inventory that you're willing to pay a high CPM for. So you can use advertising to help offset the cost. But their math is different, John, than the Fox math or the Disney math. And that, you know our view on streaming. One of the risks we see is that you're competing with companies that don't have the same P&L. When it comes to Apple, you know, they could say, hey, if we sell one more phone, you know, by having it, it doesn't make sense to me that they should spend all this money on entertainment content, but it's a rounding error for them. That's the problem when you're trying to line up the logic that you have, like both you guys have in covering this industry with these new entrants, right? Who don't have the same math. And now we have this as a topic, John, for a little bit later. Um, do you uh, want to keep going here or we want to go a little bit? Yeah, let's keep, let, let's keep going. Let's keep, right. okay. So here's my question. Apple wants to do subscriptions, right? We're going to yep. see what happens with the MLS. MLS uh, is going to get paid $250 million minus production costs. Um, you know, it's not, they weren't sought after really by anyone else as far as I can tell. Uh, and the numbers I heard were much lower uh, for what they others are offering. So I'm a big believer in subscription, you know, in terms of, I just don't think people really understand subscription, at least sports writers, right? We, you know, we talk about the athletic and we're talking about, uh, it's that, you know, people are always like, nobody wants to subscribe for this. And I always say, yeah, that's true. You need one out of 10 people. So when you're selling to the world, um, you know, you don't need as many people. Um, but do you see a world one day where Apple, again, I, we, I understand this is 15 years down the road where Apple you have kind of like an app store and you can get your Yankees or your NFL, you know, is that, do you think that's something that could happen or do you think, no, the leagues are going to make it. So, you know, Fox ESPN, everyone survives and Apple doesn't take over everything. The okay. iTunes of sports basically is what you're describing. Right. So you're asking for my view of where the world's going real large, right? So here's where the world's going. There's 80 million pay TV homes now that will shrink to 50, 60 million. Those 20, 30 million homes at risk, right? The core 50, 60 million subscribers will be there for the prime grade A NFL, NBA playoffs across every league. Like the owners of the bundle, you know, the sports, sports leagues, sports rights owners and the distributors need the bundle to remain for sports funding. It has to. What I worry about is when I see Peacock or Paramount take the NFL and put it over the top, I think to myself, that's kind of crazy because why do you want to take the NFL and make it non-exclusive, right? I think the Fox strategy and Disney strategy of keeping it in the bundle makes all the sense because the only thing the bundle has is exclusivity of sports, right? To your question, Andrew, is eventually secondary and tertiary sports will have to go subscription a la carte because there'll be a squeezing out of the P&L of the ESPN or Fox Sports. Fox Sports and ESPN and Turner can't afford everything that they have today. They have to make some choices. The choices have to be MLS and, be, and below in terms of like the types of leagues. Those will go subscription streaming with a much more targeted list. 
probably economics could be better. We have a subscription model at our firm. It's actually a good model. Um, but I think what you're asking me is that if you're the rights owners and the leagues themselves and the distributors, you have to think creatively about what the bundle looks like five years from now, 50, 60 million homes, sports has to be exclusive in that bundle. And again, the worry I have is that as media executives want to get the Netflix premium, you know, they're, they're trying to get subscribers and they're using their best sports content just to do it. And I really worry about that because that could accelerate the demise. And that would then mean that the bundle itself has nothing exclusive. You know, and then that, maybe Eric Shanks, your man of the year in 25, will have to give in and, you know, subjugate his rights to use his sales rights to someone else because the bundle will, will, will be accelerating in terms of cord cutting, you know, getting smaller and smaller. So that's, that's the view. One quick follow-up. So yeah. we, and we're going to get into it. Well, you know what, actually, let's do who's down because okay. I know who one of, I know what John's who's down is, and this will kind of, <laughs> this will segue into that. Um, All right, so I'll go last on who's down. Uh, Michael, you're who's down. I, I said we're not going to disagree. I think we might disagree on this one. Who's your who's down? Baseball is down. Music baseball is down. Because I think the RSN, that 20 to 30 million universe lost. I don't know how they pivot to a better model. And baseball is such a local sport and such a long season that I don't know how the league recovers from what happened um, to the RSN business, right? It's going to take some time to rebuild it. So my view is that, you know, I'm, I always say this, I'm a major sports fan. I truly am. But I have YouTube TV. I'm a Yankee and Ranger fan. And I've lived the past two years without in-season games. You may think I'm crazy, but that's the decision I've made. I watch all my Ranger playoffs. I watch all the national games. And baseball goes on forever, so I'll watch it, you know, you know, ESPN game of the week or something. But I think... I think cord cutting is going to really hurt baseball more than Hold any other sport. I got to, I got to, I got to interrupt you. So yeah. you're a Yankee fan. Yeah. You watch no, you don't have yes network anymore. Right. So, so, so I think, how do you consume the, I'm sorry to inter interrupt you, yeah, but how question. do you consume the Yankees as a Yankee fan? I, I read articles about the, I go online and read. You're old school. Read. I love, <laughs> I read, I see highlights, you know, my son tells me, Hey, judge had two more home runs last night. Right. Um, you know, but by the way, I'm, I'm busy. I'm a busy person. I don't have three hours every night to watch the Yankees, right? I listen to the radio on my home. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, do you listen to John and Susan? Yeah, totally. It's, you know, it's, no, because I, I think it's yeah. actually, I have another friend, again, I don't like to do this, cause you, and you do this for a living, so you know this is like foolhardy. Yeah. I hate when like TV executives said to me, like, my son yeah. did this. It's like, exactly. okay, great. That's not really a sample size. I mean, <laughs> right. yes, it's good that you're, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't- Focus group of one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think you shouldn't pay attention to your family and, and that type of stuff. But I will say though, that, and this is, I think, what kind of a, the bigger picture, that you're, if you teach people not to, that you're, that something's not as important, they'll listen to you eventually. And yes. I do think when people are making this, so they've kind of teaching you that because of what cable and streaming are doing, that it's not important. Now, here's my, I, I'll let you, since you were like totally enthralled with what I just said and sound like you're going to make me sound smart and agree with me, I'll let you go, but I had a, <laughs> I have a follow-up. Don't no, do I it. Think, Don't I take think that bait. No, no, I think once you subscribe to a YouTube TV, which I have, I cannot imagine going back to a pay TV model that existed. And my whole family fought me on YouTube TV and now they think it's the greatest thing. So the value of YouTube TV has risen higher than the value of missing the yes, you know, having the yes network, right? So 
that's how I look at it. Like the trade, your point, the trade-off I made is I don't miss it. If I if I didn't have YouTube TV and had FiOS or Cablevision, I'd be very unhappy with the product, even with the Yankees on it, right? So to me, is the delivery of the content and streaming YouTube TV is so much better than anything I got in the old world. Okay, let's do, John, do your who's down, because yes. I want to segue, because this totally segues into my next question in terms of what we're talking about here specifically, but also it just, I think, works all together if you say your who's yeah. down now. Well, so uh, actually, you know, I do agree with Michael Nathanson, uh, because I think MLB is actually very healthy from a national television standpoint. I think that, you know, Fox has a long-term deal. ESPN wants to, wants to remain uh, with, with them as well. I think there are enough bidders out there. There, you know, Apple is, is testing it. Peacock is happy. My who's down, surprise, surprise. My who's down in 2022 as Chris Ripley who overseeing Sinclair. My who's down in 2025, Chris Ripley, who I, well, Sinclair RSNs, the Diamond Sports even exist then. And it's the, it's the exact same argument that Michael was making. I don't know. Actually, I do see where this is going. And where it's going means a lot less revenue for all of the teams. Uh, because there's still a lot of value to local sports rights. A ton of value is there. It's just that they're moving from what pro provided the most that can you imagine getting people to that didn't even care about sports to pay for sports it was an incredible uh, uh just system that was created that built all of this value and and that is disintegrating through the rsns especially 12 months a year right 12 mm -hmm. months a year you're paying for something that you're not even watching 12 months a year right it's a crazy it's incredibly good it's, it's a great model that you can't pivot to in an easy way. And so, so here, here it comes to my question. I'm more really, I want to hear about the Nathanson family, but I'm more interested in your overall uh, view of things. <laughs> so Nesson has their 30, you know, $30 a month uh, direct to consumer. You know, they're going to do that with yes. They're going to do it with SNY. I think if you watch their games, you don't have access to them, but they have this humongous yes app thing in the yeah. It's obviously on purpose because they want to drive people there because eventually they're going to take that to direct to consumer. They have, you know, yes, for example, is in business with Amazon. They're part owners with it. Sinclair's part owner. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. My question for you is twofold. Uh, number one, uh, where do you see that business? Is there a real business? Uh, I mean, there's a business, I'm sure, but a, a business that can replace like, how does that work when, in terms of the Nest in $30? Yes, is going to do that. The regional sports networks, they're going to go direct to consumer in some form, I believe, um, but while also being on cable. 30 bucks is a really high price point. And like, to me, the sticker shock and not the sample of one, but if you look at the evidence of like Netflix has, has raised prices, all of a sudden they raise prices high enough. Their price highest point is $19.99 and they've stopped growing, right? So when you have a $30 price point, it's sticker shock. And that means that if your team is actually having a terrible year, you're saying, why am I paying for this product? Like 30 bucks a month for six months, um, to me, is a really scary price point. But they have to charge it because in John's old model, let's say the average price was four bucks a month. Maybe they were getting at best 10%. And they're not getting 10% of the viewership, right? Maybe they're getting 5% viewership. Like they have to replace a model where everyone's paying 100% and only 10% at best case are watching. Andrew, we've been through this for a long, long time. 
you don't want to pivot these models to a DTC model. You just don't. It's a hard pivot. Even ESPN, we've argued for years, doesn't want to rip ESPN off of the, the linear bundle and go direct. Not now, anyway. It's just too detrimental to their economics today. But here's the question, though. Yeah. If you charge so much more, like, aren't, aren't they purposely doing this to yeah. make it such a sticker shock? So then it's like, wait, why? Wait, I do want to watch the Red Sox if you're Nesson, but why not? I'll just, I'll, you know, I'm going to stick with a cable uh, distributor who I can watch my Red Sox game. I, this I, Andrew, I don't think that they, I don't think that they view it as a sticker shock. I mean, Michael, what is your reaction when I'm sure you've heard it like Andrew and I have? It's less than a cup of coffee from Starbucks per day, you know? Right. Starbucks isn't, though. 30 bucks for, 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 for 30. Oh, days. I see every day you're saying. Yeah. You yeah. Every day. yeah. 30 and, bucks. And they think that the sports fans are so avid. Look, I'm still a multi-channel uh, Xfinity subscriber and I'm an Xfinity subscriber because I have to see Big Ten Network with my Terps and Masson with my Orioles. Like, I, and, and, and so sticker shock, I pay for that, right? And if, if, if it went and the Orioles were having the season that they're having now, by the way, I always bring it back to the Orioles, so I apologize for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would, I would be paying. I'd be paying that, right? It's just thirty dollars. Um, the bundle is eighty dollars, and the bundle has been losing customers for eight years now. And you're asking me to pay close to half of the bundle price. It's just a, it's a high sticker. But Andrew, I think they're charging the prices they're charging because they can't, they can't lower the price because it would really lead to a massive quick unwind in, in their business model. But they're basically pricing it not to be success, fully successful because of what you're just saying. They're trying to find the price in which they can get people, worst case, if you get dropped by dish, you know, mm -hmm. so everyone in the Baltimore area loses dish. And what would be the makeup price they need to charge to get people who lost dish to take this new service in Baltimore, right? So I, have, I have a question for you, Michael, because yeah. I, I don't think there's anybody in the financial business of, that follows cord cutting closer than Moffitt Nathanson yeah. and, 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 and you guys, uh, uh, you don't see it going to zero, right? We don't see the world going to the world. No, we, the, the bundle will exist between 15, 60 million homes unless the rights owners leak their best rights over the top. And so, then, so it's CBS and NBC that are playing with fire right now. Yes. Basically. Yes, and then if others, I remember, so John and I talk all the time, and when the last NFL deal was done, we talked about how someone said it was like the end of the world, you know, because you had NBC and Paramount taking their NFL games over the top, and we both said it's the end of the world if everyone follows that lead and blows up their own business model, right? That's the end of the world, but so far, Fox and Disney have not played that game, right? They're not taking their best content, putting it over the top exclusively you know uh, not losing exclusivity they're not but andrew you know i think you never gave us your loser your your big yeah well that's okay well mine's the middleman the middle the middleman and like the middle platform so you just talked about you know nbc peacock paramount plus cbs you know the ones that i like the most in terms of what they're doing in sports are espn and fox um we talked about the beginning. I mentioned uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, the one of the things that Walter White says is he doesn't believe in half measures. I don't believe in half measures either. And I think either ESPN and Disney, they're all in. We're going to buy everything. We're going to make a um, moat that nobody else can really uh, infiltrate, even though they're going to get some things, but we're going to have the most by far where people are going to 
basically every sports fan we're going to be able to bring in because they're going to need stuff that they love. Um, and then Fox, as John said earlier, I just like them in terms of they're zagging where everyone else is zigging and they're going to see where the streaming business goes. So I like those two. I think people in the middle um, are going to have trouble. I think you see that also on the talent side. If you're in the middle, that's not, again, you can make a nice living, but there was a time at ESPN where you can make a really nice living. Now it's going to be the Brady's, the Stephen A's, those, the top people will make a lot. Um, and there'll be, there won't that middle class. And I think for sports rights, for leagues, the same thing, uh, you know, the, the high end, the NFL, of course, is going to make their big money. I think the streaming is good for low end. Let's say you're an Ivy league, which, you know, you didn't have the coverage that you once did, but you're an Ivy league fan who lives in California. Now you can probably watch all your games uh, with some service. Um, I think maybe ESPN plus has ESPN the Ivy league. plus has a, a Ivy league, right? So, um, so, so I, I, I have a question for you, middle. Andrew. Yeah. So, yeah. so who's, to, are you, it sounds like you're saying Paramount plus is a half measure or Peacock is a half measure. Well, this is what I get come to uh, with this stuff. I think that the people who run those things are just as smart as the other people. It's not like they're not as smart. I just don't know if they have the money to compete. And I think that's what it comes down to. You know, we can talk about uh, people being smarter than that. Disney and ESPN have the money. The scary thing for them, of course, is if Apple and Amazon say, well, we have a lot more money. Yeah, yeah. you want to see the money. That's <laughs> Apple and exactly. Amazon. So that's my take. I think that middle, the middle groups in terms of platforms, leagues, and individual who are on the air. Um, I think those are not, those aren't the places that you want to be. Yeah, there's evidence of that middle theory already playing out in the film business. Look at the film business, you know, in the past decade. It's been the 10 poles of franchises that have done very, very well. They have the low, low budget art films. And then that whole middle, the 30 to $80 million film has just disappeared, right? And it just becomes really hard when the economics and the industry are pressured to, to make a bet on your point of half measure by not being all in. So you need to make the Marvel. You, you need to make the Star Wars. You can't make just another $30 million movie. And that's, I, I totally agree with you. That, that's why I gave that answer early about the future of how the leagues will break out. You have to be a top four league to maintain the economics you have now, right? In national and not locally, national. And let's just, before we get to, we're going to go to the topics in a minute, but yeah. do you think that, uh, you know, CBS and Paramount always, there's talk about them being bought Fox as well. I mean, where, where do you see that? Um, and, you know, obviously Comcast owns NBC. It's a big company um, and, and Peacock. Where do you see that going in terms of, will there be consolidation? Can these all survive? What I've read mostly is, you know, there could be three people are going to be able to support three streamers, most households. Uh, how do you see that breaking out? Yeah, so it's really interesting. We're starting to see in real time a slowdown in, in streaming subscri subscriber editions. Like, feels to me that the pandemic accelerated a lot of this adoption. And now that the pandemic is still with us, but inflation is here, consumers are being much more thoughtful about what they want to spend on. Um, you have Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Disney. Missing uh, one or two others. I think you're right. I think it's four or five. If you're not in that four or five, you, you know, HBO Max, the economies just don't work. Well, what then happens though is that you have family-run businesses. You have the Redstones owning Paramount, Brian Roberts owning Comcast. What do they do? How do they decide to come together? They can't naturally because they own broadcast stations, broadcast networks. So it feels to us logically you'd say there's too much, too much, you know, too much spending. We've been saying that for years. 
I don't know how it gets solved though. It's not a natural M&A path because of the family ownership. And again, Amazon and Apple have really not shown interest in buying legacy media assets. They'd rather do it themselves. Like they'll buy IP, but they won't buy cable nets, or broadcast nets, you know, or broadcast stations. So it makes logical sense to consolidate, but I just don't know how it, how it happens, right? So we have this view, we have a buy on Fox and nothing else because our view is that Fox has the right strategy at this point to just avoid this car crash. Everyone else has to figure out how they allocate resources. It's not very, it's not very logical how it all gets unwound to become a better business. Let's stick with Fox because uh, yep. everybody always points to Fox as the most sort of likely target to be bought. Yeah. Would you uh, number one? Do you agree with that? We have a buy on Fox in part because we think the asset's really cheap and someone should buy it. We don't know. Who, so, we don't, we don't know who that the, someone is, right? It, yeah, it, then the next, well, the yeah. next next question is, you just mentioned, like, I always thought that if Apple or Amazon really wanted to get into sports, they'd buy ESPN or they would buy Fox. But as you just said, they've shown no interest so far in doing that. Who's out there to potentially buy these things? It's not natural to us. And, that not, and that's why the market has not ever bid up Fox to where the value, we think the value is. If you look at Fox and you look at Fox and say, wow, You've got Fox News and the, and the broadcast nets and Fox Sports One. The whole stock is the same value for Fox News. Like literally, Fox News is the value of Fox, and everything else is free. We've been saying that for two years now. It's not obvious that there's a buyer, and that's why the market is not you know paying more for these assets, right? It's just it's not it's not. There's so much uncertainty in the next four or five years about where core company is going to wind up, and then the next set of sports rights that. It's not natural to see that there's an easy path forward for all these companies, right? Just not, it's, the market hates uncertainty. I mean, uncertainty index is sky high in this sector right now. It just is. What's another broadcast network? Or, or it doesn't even have to be a broadcast network. Uh, but actually, yeah, let's keep it out as a broadcast network. Outside of Fox that you think is ripe, ripe to be bought. I don't think anything is ripe to be bought, Bob, because, you know, there's not there's not a whole new crop of buyers out there, right? There just isn't, you know, look at some of the companies we cover that are even cable network companies that are very, very cheap stocks, but they've stayed cheap forever because it's not a natural set of buyers because even if you go to private equity, the uncertainty around future cash flows is so high that we don't want to leverage up these companies, right? So we're in this world of trying to, you know, say the quarter cutting future is not as bad, it's not zero to your question, right? If it's not zero, what is it? Well, how do we know you're right, Michael? How do you know it's 50, 60 million subs? Why can't it be zero? Why can't people just blow themselves up, right? So it's this really unsatisfying view of the future where no one's willing to make a bet on the future and pay up for, the, for whatever future cash flows will come, right? Let me ask one more quick question about this because I, I of course I agree with you, right? Uh, Apple and Amazon have shown no interest in buying a legacy media uh, company, why is that? It would seem to make sense to me that they do that 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 they would. Why do you think that they aren't? Because Netflix has grown to 220 million subscribers by never buying a legacy media company, right? Look what Netflix accomplished without owning a physical studio, without buying a library. It's remarkable. So why would you want to go a different direction? You can do this yourself. It's all self-help. You know, just build over time. Right. And why do I want to acquire someone else's business model? Let me do it myself. Right. And also, even though we've kind of 
you know, we understand the economics of the cable bundle. I mean, direct to consumer is a better business, right? If it, again, obviously to make it work is difficult and to make it what Netflix has created is, you know, not impossible, but very hard. Um, but that's a great business model when you think about, you know, selling to the entire world um, that where cable in theory is not even as good, a, it, it, you know, obviously for the sports, what you um, outlined earlier, for the sports, you know, networks and, and the leagues, why that's important, the cable bundle, but this going direct to consumer and having everyone give you $15 a month uh, from 220 million people is a pretty good business. Yes and no, because we would say, so it's a complicated answer. You know, for all those subscribers they have at Netflix, you know, they only made a billion dollars a year in cash flow. You know, and that was during a pandemic when they couldn't produce new shows. So here I am, this crazy old man saying, well, you would think, Andrew, 30, million or 30 billion of revenue is a great business. At this point, it's not shown to be a great business. The, the world that we're leaving is a great business. It's a great business for in aggregate because you had 80 million people paying 80 bucks a month and they were watching the things they wanted to watch. And everyone got paid. It was like socialism writ large because if you even had a crappy network with nothing on that month, you got paid, right? And advertisers had no other options but buying linear. So the CPMs went up every single year. The model you talk about is a hard model. It's a hard model. Maybe it works for niches, works for entertainment. It works for stars, no doubt. But if you're again in the middle, which is a lot of the companies we cover in the middle, it's a model I don't want to be any, anywhere near, right? Like it's a really hard model. So, so I disagree with your premise. All right, fine. You know what? <laughs> John disagrees a lot, so I already I'm used to this. Um, two on one. Yeah, exactly. Are, right, we, going to the, to, are we going to the topics now? That that was the yeah. longest. Who's up? Who's down? In Nando <laughs> podcast this history. Is different. This is different. Well, yeah. I think people are enjoying it, Michael. You're doing an amazing job, um, and we really appreciate you joining us. This is one of our Mac Daddy discussions. People who listen to the podcast that we've been, you know, this is we're getting close to a year with the podcast is when will ESPN go direct to consumer? We have a bet on this. Um, I said within five years, we started last year. So let's just say we're four years away from ESPN going direct to consumer. Let me explain it before, because people always take this the wrong way. Um, they would also still be on cable. They'll be on cable and have a direct to consumer option, just like the regional sport networks are doing. Um, that's going to happen in the next four years. Now we're a little four, and I still have a little change. Four and a quarter. There's a dinner bet on this. A couple of people, uh, some of our listeners are involved as well. Um, Michael Nathanson. Within the next four plus years, ESPN will be direct to consumer, the mothership. We're talking everything, um, as well as being on cable still, or it will not. What it, what says you? Well, I'm assuming it's going to be on cable. If we start with that. It's going to be on. It's going to be on cable. It's going to be on cable. Yeah. That, we're going okay. to. Yeah. They're not just so, going to. That would be something. That'd be a big story. So I would say it's five years out because our math is you probably want a world that half of the U.S. is penetrated with some type of pay TV. Right now, there's 130 million homes. We have 80 million in pay TV. In four years' time, there will be 60 million. So it's right at the point of 2526 where you have the decision of, look, half the world has never taken pay TV, half has. The half that has is subscribing. So I think it's four to five years out. The question I, I, don't, I can't answer is what's the price of it? Because you have to be very careful on price. 
right? Almost like the RSNs, Andrew. But I would say to you, it's four or five years out. It's, it's just when the crossover point of cord cutting becomes half of the country doesn't have pay TV, mm-hmm. they maybe start experimenting with, with it at that point. I mean, what would the price be? If you look at the Red Sox going in 2022 at $30 a month, what would ESPN go for? And as a, as a sports fan, I don't consume all my sports from ESPN. So, so all of a sudden, if I'm going to have to cut the cord, I'm going to have to get, you know, Masson or, or whatever the, are, are the, the, the local rights are going to be on for, you know, $40 a month and ESPN for $50 a month. And I'm already with just those two. I'm already over what I'm paying for the, the, the cable bundle. Yeah, see, I can't understand why someone who's a sports fan doesn't have a cable bundle. Like, I don't know why you would cobble together what you just described to satisfy your sports needs. You know, yes, I live without the Yes Network. I'm guilty. But I'm not getting rid of my bundle and getting seven a la carte streaming services. It just doesn't make sense, right? So we've always thought you have a bundle that serves its purpose. Why do you want to basically create an alternate universe, you know, get people to stay in the bundle, you know, look at the price points, look at the, look at the offerings. The problem with ESPN, again, if it's that high price point, you may have churn. You may be really, really worried about the churn because not everyone's going to subscribe to the same content. Like, you know, I'm not a college sports fan. The NFL is over. And then I guess maybe go dark. You know, who knows, right? So it's really interesting. I, I always think they need to go very slowly. And we talked to John Skipper for years about this. You know, be careful what you wish for. And he would agree with that. Skipper would have gone, if, if Skipper were the president, he would have advocated going uh, direct to consumer early, I think, right? You think? I, you know, I don't know. I, I would thought he would think, well, the ESPN Plus strategy makes a ton of sense. It's complimentary. It's not a, a product that attacks the mothership. It's complimentary. That's the right way to do it. You don't want to give people a choice to substitute. That's a terrible idea. Right. That's the paramount. But they're plus. not, but they're not, but they're not going to do that. Like, I, right. I mean, I know like they're not going to do that. Right. So, oh, exactly. we, so the question is, what's the price point, which we don't know. And I do think, I feel as if, right. That ESPN and would argue we're giving you this much. This is kind of their, always their argument, right. That, yeah, we get $10 a month from cable, but we give you so much value to the sports fan. And yeah, you know, the person who doesn't like sports, isn't watching us, but we, if it supports, you know, we under, we don't have to get into the whole, how the cable bundle actually was kind of good for people. Um, you know, people don't really understand it. Is it possible though? You charge, let's just say they charge 50 bucks, right. And then you're a sports fan. You say, well, wait one second. I could get Turner still ESPN, Fox sports, all this stuff. And you know, this is going to cost me a hundred bucks. So couldn't you, couldn't you make the argument again, I'm kind of just, this is not something, this thing is percolating in my head that not only will they make it higher. So you push people back to the cable, but maybe you could be a little bit of a reversal where some people who are streamers who you kind of never cable people might say, you know what, maybe I should get cable because I can get all these sports for this amount. And maybe that's where the business plan goes. To me, the, the most important league is the NFL, obviously. Right. And you said, here's what, here's what I worry about. The rate two of the NFL packages, three are over the top. Through over the top and two aren't. If you said to me, we're making two NFL packages available for five to 10 bucks a month, people would cut the cord in droves, right? You would not have a re. But if you said what you're saying is, well, Fox and Disney are going to charge $60 for the rights to watch Fox Sports One and ESPN, well, then the world stays status quo. 
right? To me, it's how quickly do they want to discount the NFL to drive adoption? Because if they discount the NFL low, low enough, that'll give people the reason to cut the court. You know, it's like, hey, you know, the NFL is so much a driver of pay TV usage that if you make it easy for me to cut the cord by price, it'll happen. You know, what's so fascinating about that is the NFL is so predicated on over the air broadcast television. It's her whole strategy. In 2031, I can watch on broad, free broadcast TV and NFL games. That's, that, that, that's a strategy. However, you're right. It, 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 it is totally driving the cable bundle, even though it's, all you need is an antenna to put on your roof and you, see, and you see a good selection of games. Right. So Andrew, your question to me is a, a question on pricing. We don't know the answer to that, but that is really important, right? Because if they price it low enough, it can really unwind the bundle. Then it will force Fox to do something because Fox will be the odd man out. If they price it high, I'm not worried about the bundle, to your point. You know, it's like, so I want to understand what they're doing. And how does it play into they're creating their own bundle, right? They have Disney Plus, they have Hulu, and they have ESPN Plus. And so, you know, obviously that does seem like where they're focusing their energy on. Let's get people into this bundle in this new ESPN, you know, Plus that, like you said, is and you know is extra and it doesn't really go at the core business it gives you some games and some good games and some good events but it doesn't give you the the main events the monday night football etc um that they have college football as well does espn I, I think the problem for them to put like a full espn as part of a bundle is that the price would be way too much right, right. you can't do 1999 uh for a, a bundle Right. I mean, or like, wh where do you need to get to? But could you do twenty nine ninety nine with a bundle like that? Or no, it's still the math doesn't make sense. It's just sticker shock. When we did the survey work at our firm looking at skinny bundles with uh, Altman, Landry now Altman Salon, for a bundle of 40 channels, consumers wanted $40. That was like, that was in their mind. Hey, 40 bucks, 40 channels. The closer you get to like 29, 30, 40 and offer three or four services, you get you, you tap people out right not everyone's going to pay that level of price for for a bundle three channel i guess but like but doesn't the bundle kind of change though because like espn for example like we talked about earlier they've created a moat where they they don't have everything right they don't have everything but they have most everything right they have nba they have nfl they have baseball they have hockey they have a lot of soccer not necessarily the best they, they have some of the best soccer but i you know soccer so there's so much soccer um they have a lot where I do think there's a, again, people at the moment when they don't really even realize most people don't realize they're even paying directly for ESPN. They just feel like they get a cable bill and okay, ESPN's on there. I do think you, when you have all those things. But Andrew, all those things that you mentioned, if I'm an NFL fan, I'm going to have to get multiple services. If I'm an NBA fan, I'm going to have to get to cable, Turner. Then you're back to cable, no? Well, that's exactly that's it. Our if, whole if, point. You're, if you're an NFL fan, why am I going to... If they price it low, I'm going to cut the cord. I mean, but they're not going to price it low. Like, look, look, right. Here's the thing. We all know, okay, this is one of the things, like, when you cover this stuff, 80% of these people are smart. I won't go to the 20% I think are not smart, okay? I have said it before, but I won't say it right now. Just be 2025, they're not in the business anymore. Come yeah, on, let us- It's not nice to say, it, if there's like a reason to take that shot right now, I would, but it, there's no reason just to throw <laughs> a, a grenade at somebody for no reason. But 80% are smart. So 
they know like what you're saying, right? They're studying it just as well, you know, as, as you are, you know, in terms of, you know, where they look. So they're not going to do that, right? They're not, again, I mean, they could make a mistake. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's possible, but most likely they're not going to do it. And, but I do think they're going to go direct to consumer to reach those people that they can't reach. And if you're still on cable, it's all ancillary then at that point, like you have no choice um, because there's no way to reach those people. And the more we talk about it, like, I, yeah, I think maybe they'd make the price point really high. So people stay with cable and maybe this cable bundle, um, you know, we're talking about this in 2040, you know, cause I think, I do think these things always have a longer tail than everyone. You know, I, ret- I, I left ESPN on my own accord to go back to a newspaper. Not that I thought newspapers were the future. Don't get me wrong, but they're still around. You know, we actually just had a great uh, earnings call. And so it's like, they, they still have businesses. It just doesn't, you know, obviously overall newspapers aren't doing great, but like, but there are businesses there. And so the idea that cable is going to go away, you know, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. No, I think people who are sports fans are relatively satisfied with, with the sports offering. I mean, we, do, we talk about the ratings every year. The ratings for sports have held it incredibly well. Like there's not evidence of court cutting killing sports ratings. Where the bundle and where the world's made a mistake is leaking entertainment content, streaming. It's a better way to, to watch entertainment. It's not, it's not necessarily a better way to watch sports than streaming. You know, I can't, you know, I get a five second uh, delay on a game. I'm like, oh, I can't believe like people are texting me, you know, the Giants just score, the Rangers score, and I have to, you know, but I would say to you, the bottom is 50, 60 million homes as long as the players don't do stupid stuff. Like, meaning that it's 50, 60 million homes. That's what it is, you know, and it's older people. But young, I have a lot of young, I won't do the survey of like five, but as long as you make it harder to get sports a la carte, the bundle has a good value. Just make it harder. I'm a big believer in the focus group of one. I hate that my kids are aging out of that focus group. Yeah, Michael, I've, I've been uh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this for ever since we we started talking about it. This is going as well as I, I could expect. So we could go on for two hours, but I do have to ask you about Warner Media, uh, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, because Turner was taken over by by Zaslov. Zaslov came in, big sports fan. Everybody I know in the sports media business is like, here we go. And they have been deadly quiet. The uh, uh, Big Ten rights just came by. They were not involved in the Big Ten rights. The, uh, you know, Formula One, you know, they were not involved with that. Any of these big soccer leagues, they're just not involved. What do I read into that? They have a lot of leverage. Their priority is driving cash flow and not any more sports costs if they don't need them. Their biggest cost will be going forward with the NBA. They have to get the NBA signed up for TNT. He may be a huge sports fan, but that doesn't really matter. He needs to drive, the company is highly leveraged. Their one core business is cable networks. Cable networks are facing the pressures you're well aware of. So he has to manage his costs and he can't overpay for sports rights. And basically the world he sees in front of them is the NBA, baseball, hockey, NCAA. You know, like that's his hand. And I don't think he's going to deviate from that hand. Internationally, which we don't talk about a lot, the question is, what do you do internationally? There's a bunch of rights there as well, including the Olympics, right? But I really don't think he's there to invest and lose money in sports. That's not his MO. He has to become more rational. Of those four sports that you listed that, that, that he has, 
does he prioritize those or does he have to keep all, all four of those? NBA, because we think the NBA is really tied up to Turner's economics, TNT's economics, and he needs to maintain the NBA. As member ESPN needed the NFL about 10 years ago because they had a, a, a fee structure tied to the NFL, right? And uh, so that's why Adam Silver is my executive of the year in 2025 because he's going to take money out of everyone's pocket because some of these companies really need the NBA and beyond. Right. That Adam Silver honeymoon, it's still going on in 2025. It's exactly. the longest honeymoon I've ever seen for a uh, sports commissioner. Uh, <laughs> does ESPN have the same, um, uh, when it comes to the NBA, do they have, uh, are they like Turner? Do they have to? No, get it? They, they don't necessarily need it. It's not tied up to their economics. You know, you know Bob Iger was a ma- you know, major NBA fan, as, as, as you know. Uh, don't know what, what Bob Shaping is, but they don't need to have the NBA if it, did it, if it doesn't make sense economically. Um, they don't. You know, they'll, they'll go to the NHL. But I think the NBA and ESPN has been a really good fit. Um, and I think the, you know, both sides want to maintain that relationship. Plus, ABC is the home of the NBA Finals, which is good for the NBA. It's a little bit like the NFL. It's a broadcast network that gives you the reach you know, to kind of raise, raise the, you know, the, the brand up on broadcast. But you don't see like a CBS maybe getting involved? They do that relationship with uh, March Madness? No. These companies all have to, like, they were under so much pressure economically to invest in streaming, to defend their margins, to drive cash flow. It's such a different world than it was five, 10 years ago. It just is. And then also, you know, SEC, which CBS had, there's a ton of changes in CBS sports as well, right? Like, they have a portfolio that may not be the same in two or three years that it is now. I have one more, if I can. We talked about Amazon and Apple, okay? And I know you, I, I, you know, there's not as much stuff on them, but is there, do you like, you know, it looks like Apple is going to get Sunday tickets. Um, maybe they'll be involved in the NFL media as well. We're just waiting on that deal, if that's going to happen. Amazon has Thursday night football. It has the Yankees locally on Friday nights. Uh, which, do you watch those? I don't, because I'm going out Friday night. You know, I'm, I'm not okay, going right. to, I have yeah, a life. Not, you know, I'm like, I, I have stuff about. to do. All right, so no Amazon games for you. All right, but, and then they have around the world, a lot of soccer, a lot of cricket. Um, and so which plan do you like better from their point of view, the digital plans in terms of this idea that Apple, of course, we don't really know Apple doesn't really, they're not very communicative. Um, they, uh, you know, are they gonna, they're, but they sound like they're doing, they wanna do subscriptions from what, what I'm told. Which one do you like better? Which plan? The Amazon plan than versus Apple, because Amazon to me, you have, if you look five years out, connected TV is going to be a dominant, one of the dominant forms of how you watch video. It, it, it is now. They have Amazon Prime, Amazon Fire, Amazon TVs. Apple, for all the promises, is nowhere connected TVs, right? Their Apple box is literally 10 times more expensive than it should be. You know, I'm amazed that Apple's not been more aggressive in building out connected TVs. If you said to me, Michael, this is a plan that the next device that they have after these babies, is TVs and you use sports to do it, that's a good plan, right? But we don't know why they've not sold devices for TVs yet. Whereas Amazon has a whole infrastructure they're building for connected TVs and advertising and basically to basically make their prime shopping more valuable. So to your point, Apple needs to have more, they need to do more of a, of a, some more bones on their strategy, right? It's not clear what, what they're trying to build here. Yeah, and I think I find that I'm reading uh, Trip Mickle's book about Apple 
um people are like who listen to the pod all the time is like how long does this guy take to read a book because i mentioned so like, <laughs> but I, no, I'm busy busy. Watching I, the I try to read before book. bed and so anyways it's like uh, the year is 2025 i'm just finishing trip mickle's book but here's here's the is point he putting though. you to sleep is that the, is, is that the deal that's an excellent job trip i've given him like five plugs all right I, I anyways but they seem to and again we know about apple a little bit just because who they are but they just seem to kind of go at their own pace and do things how they want to do them. I don't think sports work like that. Like the pace is too fast. You got to like, you got to figure it out. You can't look for the best leather around the world and like, you know, the best glass around the world because too many people are aggressive. And I just think they're kind of slow to this. Now, maybe Sunday ticket works, but I just feel like they need to kind of, let's go guys, if you want to be involved. Well, case in point, where has Google YouTube been all these years, right? And I think when you're, when you're really smart engineers, who look at things logically, they're like, wait, 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 you want me a deficit finance, like a 10 year contract, and then maybe in year 11, we'll make money. And then after, re- like for people who are engineers, who could, to your point, they control their destiny in engineering. They're like, why do I want to be in this business? It's illogical, it makes no sense, right? So- 100%, that's why it's great. Hey, Michael, this was as good as advertised. Thanks oh, a ton for coming on. That. I wanted Talk to about a big debt. man. I don't want to deliver, I wanted to come in better. But you guys, I love, I love both of you. I'll, we should make this like a, a real show on a network and get paid royalties. You really should. We should get paid royalties on this show. You know, the next, the next sports reporters. Why not do that, guys? You know, let's we'll see what we can do. I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to make this a success, but listen, uh, look, I, I we have God, personalities that are made for print, Michael. I no, swear. Can I tell you what? You made people. I'm not. People love the work you both do. Like our clients send me things you guys do. Like. Even though you're not Wall Street folks in terms of how you think about yourselves, your impact on Wall Street is incredibly high. It really is. And that that's a compliment. That's not a that's not being, you know, a put down. You know, people love the work you guys do. Thank you, Mike, Michael. Pardon me for a second. Chris Mason, right. clip that. Send that to marketing, please. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I was going to say, though, is that you you have been great. And I do, we do appreciate it. But the one thing I think you're kind of a little bit you might want to improve upon is that John takes all your thoughts. And I don't know if he kind of because a lot of these arguments, I think, you know, everyone, I think everyone agrees. I win, you know, weekly. <laughs> so those are your thoughts. You need to kind of brought him a little bit better than John. I will does. say he, he he tells his thoughts better than I tell no. his thoughts. Absolutely. See, John and I come from this logical, rational school where we don't understand how the world looks at things when they're like the past two years have been irrational. It's been just irrational exuberance on some of these models. And, you know, having the benefit of age says like, no, no, this makes no sense at all. But you know what? We're even the crazy old men kind of screaming at the moon saying, you know, this makes no sense. You know, now people starting to listen. By the way, we are both proven correct too. Like that no no longer are are they prioritizing the streamers. No longer are they prioritizing getting uh, subscribers. Now they're prioritizing profit. Which, uh, what a surprise, a business prioritizes profit. Exactly. I, I never would have guessed. Someone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I, I love to come back on. Once I get Yes Network and MSG, I'll come on and tell you how, how it is. I have to figure out how to get that. Um, you know, but I love you guys. I love to come on anytime you want me. I really do. I appreciate Thank it. You, Thank you. Okay. Be well. See you guys. Thanks, yeah. man. That could have gone for another hour, as far as I'm concerned. And what I heard, is that he agrees with me on the ESPN going streaming, going direct to consumer. He added about five years. 
You only have about three three years and and some months. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. Number one, I heard the exact opposite. He basically, <laughs> said, I'm going to be right because that th- Disney. I've said this before. Disney has the same math equation that they're using. It's going to be right at that five year mark. All right, and so it's give or take, but the five years is the correct thing. I'm going to say a little less than five years, but it's basically when you get the cable penetration of 50, 60 million homes, that's when ESPN is going to go um, direct to consumer. And he said that's going to be around 2025. So I heard the exact opposite thing. This is like we, where we are in the at, in the country, right? Someone says something, we both heard the exact opposite thing. All right, he said I was exactly right, and that's how I took. It. And I appreciate that, uh, Michael Nathanson, uh, for agreeing with me. But we shall see what will happen. But that was really interesting. Um, you like the Amazon more than Apple. I, I tend to agree with them uh, with that. Um, and look, we're looking at 2025 and where things are going. And right, that's going to, I thought really the, the thing I learned, and that's kind of what we're trying to do with this podcast. And this is what we try to do where we try to bring, you know, what we try to do all week to learn things so we can tell uh, the audience. But what I learned, I mean, and I kind of knew this, but he really put it uh, really well is how important the NBA is to Turner and how they have to do that deal. Um, and so uh, that kind of, I mean, it doesn't make a guarantee it, but you know, and it also tells you the NBA is going to get such a big number when they have Apple and Amazon and ESPN also involved. Um, but with Turner being, uh, I want to say desperate, but if, with it so important for their business. I think you can say desperate almost. What, what, what I found interesting is that his who's up is Adam Silver, and he was very high on the NBA, even though, as he was talking about it, CBS isn't isn't going to bid most likely, NBC's not going to bid, Fox not going to I mean, it's, it's for the incumbents and for the deep-pocketed streamers, and the NBA is sitting pretty. Yeah, 100%. So listen, we want to hear from you. Uh, no Call of the Week is a special uh, podcast. We want to hear from you, what you think about this podcast. You know, John did one. Uh, you know, a month ago with David Levy. Um, so this time we tried a little bit different and we might incorporate it more regularly, um, you know, to mix things up, uh, even though even if we're not on vacation. Next week, though, we'll have a same podcast that we usually do. Um, and we got some big guests coming up in the, in the next upcoming weeks uh, that we're excited about. Uh, but as always, if you can rate and review, uh, that really helps us and we appreciate that. And we want to thank Chris Mason and AC Wyatt who run the whole show, uh, who do a great job. So uh, we will see you next week. And thanks for listening.